Boom. <laughs> I do love when you start a podcast explosively like that. I know. It gives you something to edit, doesn't it? Just drop all the levels by about 15 points. How are you doing? I'm very well, sir. How are you? I'm good, actually. I think we're all enjoying the uh, the global conflagration that global warming is treating us to. Everybody's hot these days. Uh, well, I don't know about hot. Um, I'm certainly sweaty. Uh, 85% humidity here today. That's... mm, mm. At what point is that just, you're in the sea? Well, um, I have to admit, I've, um, about 15 minutes before we started recording, I was in the pool, uh, trying, trying to, (laughs) trying to cool the body temperature down. Um, I mean, a waterproof mic and you can just do it from the pool if you wanted. Oh, there you go. There's, there's definitely something to that. We've got lights in the pool, um. Did you fix your deadly um, final destination waiting to happen? Yep, yep. That that whole thing has been replaced by a very sort of Desres new unit, um, which has two little lights in it. So uh, the first time I got into the pool afterwards, I was a little bit hesitant, but I survived. <laughs> um, and it's happened several times since, so I'm I'm inclined to believe that I'm okay now. Okay, well, that's good. <sighs> so, yes. Uh, it's a, well, yes, heat wave everywhere. It's not global warming. Um my friend Donald uh, lives in a white house. Uh, he he's told me that uh, there is no great hair warming, um, and if there is, look, it's warm. It's great, isn't it? So uh, I think we that we we saw that and thought, you know what? Let's have one of those over here in the UK. Let's get one of those ourselves, and we just we got the same kind of thing. Oh, old uh, moped! Oh, <laughs> he's a hero to public school boys everywhere. Oh, the show that doesn't like to get political. Just just tiptoeing around the political issues. But yes. Yeah, um, the playing field's mm. eaten, oh boy. That's lovely. <laughs> writing. Are you writing on things? Uh, well, I have to say, it's I'm getting frustrated with writing. Um, and I'm sure people who listen must be bored senseless now because I haven't changed anything in weeks, mm. uh, which is a, a kind of drawback with using a big, a really big pocket notebook, you know, 196 page effort. Um, but I am coming to the end of my uh, commonplace notebook, uh, which is very nice, mm-hmm. very, very tartan. Hello. Um, this is the Waverly one? Yes, it is indeed. Um, and it's got, I, I can see the shape of my uh, batarks, um in the, in the book. It's sort of, <laughs> it's bent to a pleasing little sort of curve. Uh, so it's done sterling service and it will be be soon finished uh, and then I'll be back into smaller notebooks for a while mm. uh, and I've got a well um, comparatively I've got a huge backlog um, because as as we may have mentioned field notes brought out not one not two not three but nine different notebooks <laughs> in their last edition <laughs> yeah um, I mean they all look lovely but that is a for collectors there's a collective collector sigh globally as people go ah, yeah, i'll have f- them all <laughs> funnily enough the the pen addict was a bit like that brad and mike were like well you know it's making me think about my collecting and do i need you know i'm thinking wow that's not something that field notes would have expected mm, um, probably not something i wanted either yeah let's give people some extra notebooks oh we've turned everybody off notebooks um yeah, but they they look great. I haven't played with them yet, but uh, I'm I'm looking forward to getting into one or two of those and some of the Nero's ones. I've got some. Uh, we had some notebooks designed by Rob de la Porte, 
uh, mm-hmm. who made us the Nero's Basics range, which I'm going to uh, extend and expand, which is fun. Ooh. It's uh, very cool. Just sort of a very sort of simple, as it, as it sounds, a Nero's Basic. Um, sort of own branding, own branding, darling. Lovely. What? Mm, very good. Store brand. Uh, that's that's the plan anyway. Uh, so I'm still using all the same stuff that I was, but next episode, I promise it will all be new and exciting. What about you? Are you doing something good? Mm, I'm writing in sort of the normal stuff. I've got my legal pad. I've got my uh, mile marker. Field notes is my current carry. Uh, a few bits and bobs. But I'm writing with something a little different. I'm writing with the Palomino Forest Choice, which is a very nice American pencil. Uh, that's living in my top pocket of my jacket on the way to work. But I'm also using one of my favorite pencils of all times, and it doesn't have any graphite in it. Uh-huh. It's a Koenor Postman's pencil. So it's a double-ended red and blue, big, chunky, like five or six mil pencil. Ah, um, right, okay. And it's gorgeous. I first found them in Prague when I went the first time. They were sort of very popular. Um, Postman used them for marking, you know, postmarks on things and, and writing things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of like an, uh, an older branded uh, Koenor one that kind of just lived in their stationery stores. I went buck daft when I saw it. I was like, this is the coolest thing. I bought boxes of them when they, they, it wasn't really geared up to sell boxes of them. It's something that you might sell one or two to sort of like the local accountancy firm. And I went in and in very, very poor check, basically asked, can I buy the box of them? And they were like, yes, in English, because they speak better English than I speak Czech. Um, Yes, you lunatic. (laughs) You crazy, crazy foreigner. Yes, you may purchase these. I have no idea why, but you may. So I came home with lots of them. I'm still running three or four years later on the stockpile that I bought. Uh, so when I go back in December, I'll have to stock up again. But it's the Koenor Postman pencil. Fabulous. And watching, have you been watching anything? Yeah, I've been to the cinema again. So I went to see Midsummer. Midsummer. Um, the sort of um, Nordic spelling, Midsommar. Um, really, really dark, really, really trippy. Um, I've only ever been on drugs once in my life, and it was because, and it was a paramedic gave me these drugs. Uh, it was because I dislocated my knee, okay. and they put me on a morphine injection and gas and air and various other and sundry uh, drug delights. I did not enjoy it, but there are moments in that film where I'm going, I remember that. I remember those walls moving like that. That's not, they're not supposed to do it, but they do. Um, really, really weird, trippy art house kind of film, but very, very dark as well. So absolutely a horror film, very gory, very uh, challenging to watch. It's one of those films that you, you, I don't think you can come out enjoying it. You can come out thinking that was interesting and uh, artistically valid, but I'm not sure you could enjoy it or have fun in it. Or if you did, you would probably need to see someone is, is that what you're it, yes it's not necessary maybe that's more of an indicator of um psychiatry requirements oh i see but yeah worth seeing anyway and then at the other end of the spectrum i just finished season two of dairy girls which is oh absolutely fantastic uh and quite interesting because it's obviously set in in dairy london dairy up north in northern ireland and it's set in at the tail end of the 90s so I mean, they're teenagers at the t- tail end of the 90s, so they'd be older than I am. But there are moments in there that I remember and things that kind of were going along in the background of my childhood. And I'm going, that's that's weird to see it in a TV show. I don't know. For strange because sure. it's so close to home. But 
really really well written and that's we're caught up and i think there's potentially a third season but we're not caught up and meg and i both loved it absolutely fantastic excellent all right well uh what am i going to say well with regards to your comments on uh narcotics uh i plead the fifth <laughs> Uh, and we will move on from there. Uh, I have been watching something which is a little bit trippy. Um, it's a test match. Um, it's a cricket game that goes on for, uh, in this particular instance, four days. Okay, that sounds like mm. about three and a half days more than it needs to be. Well, indeed. Uh, let's not get into it trying to explain cricket again. <laughs> However... It's like uh, a locust. It's a bug. <laughs> <laughs> Quite. Well, this one's particularly significant because uh, it's England uh, at Lords, the home of cricket, Lords in uh, North London. And they're playing a team that is relatively new to test cricket um, uh, from a place called Ireland. Mm. Uh, and so I think the expectation was that um, Ireland would come over... Uh, would show some sort of game spirit uh, and be sort of quickly put to the sword by a triumphant England. <laughs> Resolutely crushed. Mm, yeah, <laughs> kind of. I think that was the script. Uh, uh, the Irish, as is their want, uh, appear to be singing from a different song sheet. Uh, and, well, I have to say, uh, bad bad weather stopped play at the end of... Uh, at the end of the afternoon today, with two more days left, the game is, well, on a knife edge. It's very poised with mm. Ireland, probably slight favourites. Uh, so, wow. Um, if you're into your cricket, or if, like uh, all Celts, you're into seeing England lose, um, <laughs> I'm more interested now. <laughs> it's, it's a gripping thing. Uh, and yeah, so there's. Uh, all manner of condescending English commentators. Okay? What the, what the, hasn't he done well, that Irish fellow? Good Lord. <laughs> uh, must have gone to school in England. Um, excellent. <laughs> wonderful to listen to. Uh, so I've been watching a bit of that. And as I say, it's a four-day commitment to watch that. Um, mm. And the Open, uh, which is it's becoming a theme. Uh, the Open, uh, which is at the end of the Open, the winner is declared champion golfer of the year. And uh, in golf, you have the Spanish Open, you have the German Open, you have the US Open, and you have the Open. <laughs> and you're not allowed to refer to it as the British Open. It's not. It's the Open. Uh, and it's considered the original major. So it's a big deal. Uh, and it's always played on Lynx Golf Course, which is um, essentially a golf course on the beach. So um, the soil um, near water is ideal for golf because it's pretty useless for anything else, basically. Um, <laughs> and of course, uh, it gets, certainly in, in the United Kingdom, the weather can be a little bit uh, unpredictable uh, around the coast. Temperamental, yeah. Um, and most of the really good Lynx golf courses uh, in the United Kingdom are in Scotland. Um, there are some in England, uh, and there's a couple in a place you may have heard of uh, called Northern Ireland. Mm -hmm. uh, and the last time an Open Championship was played in Northern Ireland, I believe, was 1951. I may be wrong, um, but it was brought back this year to a Royal Portrush. 
uh, which is an incredible golf course. Uh, and mm -hmm. it played, um, it was so, so much fun. It was so Northern Irish. You had this glorious sunny day <laughs> um, and the wind dropped and it looked like the easiest golf course in the world. And there were loads of American golfers who were just playing some awesome golf. And, you know, the, it, it looked as though it was going to be sort of run away with. And then everybody woke up the next morning and went, what the hell's happened? Um, it was like the apocalypse had arrived. <laughs> and, yep, that's Northern Irish weather. Well, at one point on day four, I swear to you, it was raining upwards. You, you could see, you could see people on the golf course just getting absolutely drenched in seconds. The wind was howling. Um, and well, guess what? All of the Americans imploded. Uh, some of them, some of them sulked mightily. Said, it's impossible to play golf in this weather. Um, and an Irishman triumphed. And Shock horror. It, well, uh, Shane Lowry, um, who uh, is from uh, down south, uh, Offaly, I believe. Um, and as far as I can work out, it was it was one. It would have been one on last Sunday. We're recording on Thursday. Uh, and as far as I'm aware, he's still drinking. Uh, he's <laughs> he's dropped out of the the golf tournament. He should have been playing in Memphis as of today. Um, because he's essentially on a tour of Ireland with the claret jug, which is the famous trophy <laughs> from the Open. Uh, and there's just this enormous amount of social media posts of him uh -huh. in a variety of pubs with the claret jug full of a variety of alcoholic substances. Um, and of course, be, being Irish, everybody gets a go. Ah, go yeah. on, oh, there yeah. you go, get that down. Have it a try yourself there. <laughs> um, I'm fairly certain that they only give out um, replicas to golfers, particularly um, Irish ones fond of a drink, um, or indeed Scots ones fond of a drink. Um, but no, he is just having having the crack. He's having a great time. Um, the last Irishman to win uh, the Open was Darren Clark, who mm. has a house at Royal Portrush. Uh, and it is reputed that his house was an open house for about three months after the Open. Um, so certainly he put on a fair amount of weight and his golf didn't go very well, but, uh, he was happy. Uh, yeah. So, so Port yeah, Rush is the equivalent to Blackpool. That's where all our amusements are. Uh, so on the North coast, you've got Barry's and that's kind of like the amusements and the rides and the, the beach and the, the, it's the Port Rush pleasure beach of Northern Ireland. Well, funnily enough, um, at Blackpool, there's a really good links golf course called, um, Royal Liverman's St. Hans. So hmm. maybe there's a link. Who knows? Yeah, there's a links. A links to the link. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, that's all I've been watching is uh, because both of those, uh, both the golf and the cricket, are four-day events. Full-time uh, jobs, yeah. Yeah, you, you can't muck about it. So I've been uh, doing that sort of working, uh, and I'm using air quotes here, uh, which is not great on a podcast, <laughs> but you know what I mean, um, with, with things on my lap while watching the TV out the corner of my eye. So that's enough of that. What about listening? You've been listening to anything? Uh, not really all that much. Still listening to my audiobook, which is great. Uh, so I suppose that covers reading as well. Uh, but I have been listening to Lord Huron again. Still wildly in love with that band. So just that's kind of my go-to at the minute. I'm not listening to a vast amount. Not trying to find new stuff either. Um, uh -huh. 
lots of other things to do and to work on. So I'm kind of just enjoying uh, fond staples rather than trying to branch out and find anything exciting or different. Oh, right. Okay. Um, you've just reminded me of something that um, because I picked up a couple of weeks ago um, a recommendation from uh, Eric. Uh, he's mm-hmm. a listener of ours, and I think you probably know him on Instagram as well. Um, and he's talking about a Norwegian singer called Sigrid. Oh, yeah. I think I saw his Instagram post about this. Yeah. Um, album called uh, Sucker Punch. Check it out. It's really cool. Sigrid, S-I-G-R-I-D. Yep. And album Sucker is Punch. Sucker Punch. Okay. It'll be in the show notes. I'll check it out. Um, I was uh, pleasantly surprised. Young person's music that I could listen to. What? Super. Um, I can bop my head to this. <laughs> yes, absolutely. There was tapping of feet and all sorts was going on. Um, uh, what else? I, I haven't been listening to much because obviously I've been very, very busy uh, watching sport. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I have been listening to the usual podcasts. Uh, so I so heard um, the pen addicts getting a little bit sort of mm, ho-hum about field notes. Um, and yeah, I'm going to do it one last time now, TJ, because it's finished. 13 Minutes to the Moon, as a, a podcast series by the BBC, has now finished. It's well, given that the 20th was the moon landing, yeah. Yeah, yeah still available. Um, listen to one episode. You'll be hooked. Okay. Trust All right. me on this. Trust Train me ride this. tomorrow. I have it sitting. I have it sitting waiting to listen. I've just been involved in other things. So yeah, tomorrow's I mean, train ride. Well, the other thing I would say is that you, you may you may miss your stop because you might choose to listen to another <laughs> one. Uh, it's compelling stuff. Um, so yeah, we we listened to what? Well, uh, yes, I say we. A load of us listened to the end of that. Uh, the the final episode is a live uh, show in Houston where President Kennedy sort of made the promise that you know we're going to get to the moon by the end of the decade. Yeah, uh, and an entire space agency went. He said what? Um, <laughs> yeah, we choose to go to the moon and do the other stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pardon, <laughs> Mr. Um, Kennedy? What? <laughs> yeah, that, that was broadly. Uh, that's how it is, and you get to hear it from the horse's mouth from, from some very sort of dry, capable American people who just went <laughs> right. Okay, best we get on. Well, that's with an it. engineering problem I didn't want to have to solve, but fine. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I, I do. I mean, without you don't have to do spoilers, but um, listening to this, you realise that actually a lot of this was achieved uh, with the use of sellotape and string. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the I old mean, uh, Jerry Rig cludging. Well, I, I think you know. For for uh, I think the younger you are listening to this, the more your jaw will drop with some of the stuff that they were doing, and. Uh, some of the decision-making processes. You just couldn't do it now. You know, the, <laughs> the computer is screaming <laughs> process error alerts. And, and the, the flight controller is wandering around all of the various guys on the desk going, essentially, what the hell does that mean? And they're all going, I don't know. Um, and everybody's going, well, my bit's working. No, my bit's working. My bit's working. Should we carry on? And somebody sat there and had to make a decision on that. Anyway, much better explained in the podcast. Um, mm. But yeah, listen to that. Um, I I've actually started listening to it again. It's not often. I'm oh, okay, well that's that's a good recommendation. Uh, reading. Um, I'm. I, God, this is a terrible episode for me. I'm between books. I've I've not started anything. 
I did buy a book um, on a recommendation. Uh, I've bought A Natural by Nora McKinney, uh, which is a debut novel. Uh, this is definitely parental guidance and above. Um, I think that's... <laughs> PG-13. Some, yes, I think there's some adult content coming. Um, Shock. Uh, I, I think some, somebody used the phrase a, a thinking person's Fifty Shades of uh, Grey. So there you go. Okay. I mean, it doesn't take much to be a thinking person's Fifty Shades of Grey. Well, far be it from me to say such a thing, but yes, I, I can understand where you, <laughs> why you might think that. Uh, so yeah, that's my next read. Uh, what about you? You reading anything? Uh, bits and pieces for work. Diagrammatical reasoning. Bless something you. I'm reading. Sorry, what minute. were you reading? Uh, diagrammatical. Yeah, never mind. It's 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 complicated. Um, it's not that it's difficult. It's that it's a very different kind of thinking, um, and it's just I'm, I'm taking a long time to rejig my head to reading this stuff and understanding this stuff but it is useful and will be helpful going forward but yeah i'm kind of just bashing my head against it until it makes sense okie dokie all right then drinking what are you drinking tj so that sound is the end of a bud light which i finished before we started because i felt a little bit cheeky before the the podcast started. I just want to wee, wee, wee beer. I was doing an edit and the title that I'd carefully edited for the video that I'm working on looked gorgeous. And then between the time that it looked gorgeous and the time that it was broken, nothing happened. And then it was entirely broken and I couldn't get it to work. And I redid it three times and it was still broken. So I just gave up and had a beer. Uh, so yeah, I've just finished that, but I've actually been pretty good. I'm fasting again. Oh, um, I have been fasting since, but I mean, I literally started fasting 28 minutes ago. Um, so okay. I finished that beer uh, and then started fasting, which feels like a bit of an oxymoron, but uh, it's working. Mm-hmm. Uh, so lots of black coffee and lunches have gotten very healthy as well. I'm eating, um, what do you call it, like roasted chicken thigh and some some carrot sticks and things like that for lunch. So very, very clean eating. Excellent. Um, Meg's got more fish on the menu as well. So it's it's all coming up. And I'm taking my omega-3 tablets. So I've noticed definitely joints and skin looking better well my joints mm-hmm. are working better they don't look particularly different but um, <laughs> <Sure>. my, skin, <laughs> my skin is looking better um so yeah definitely including fish and eating a little cleaner is helping and the fasting is still going strong and it's actually getting easier now to make it to 12 o'clock without really thinking about it excellent that's very good well i'm just uh in your honor i'm going to i'll, I'll have a beer for you yeah so please do uh opening another another key yeah I say it's eighty uh, percent humidity. I need to keep hydrated. Um, yeah, I mean those are basically water, so you're fine. Yep, they're basically water, and they've got all sorts of um, uh, minerals and stuff in them. So Sounds, I, yeah, I, I think of them as those sort of sports drinks. <laughs> it's I, a period. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's what those athletes are drinking when they're you know doing marathons and stuff. It depends on um, the sport, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> that, and then, uh, well, in a moment, I'm sure I'll have a, a Cypress brandy because while well, I'm down here recording and my wife's upstairs in bed, so I can have one. Uh, what could possibly go wrong? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not a very grown up attitude, is it? Uh, fasting, uh, I'm doing that too. I'm doing the, the, the 16 type approach, cool. uh, which we kind of do by default here. Um, just yeah. because we've both been doing that sort of thing for a while. Um, and certainly this time of year, uh, I know everybody's hot at the moment, but the, the way things work here, 
when it's hot, 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 is you try and get everything done really early in the morning. And then during the day, you just do very little. And uh, then you kind of come awake <laughs> again at night. Uh, so as long as you can sort of get through the um, the afternoon. Yeah. Um, I was on the golf course this morning at, right at about half past seven. So there was no time for any start, breakfast. Yeah. Up early, go to the golf course, play some golf, come off the golf course, uh, have some cold drinks, come home. And then you're in the period you're allowed to eat. It's just you're not interested in eating anymore uh, until you get through to <laughs> evening time. Then you have something to eat, uh, in my case, uh, a beer or two. Uh, and then, yeah, rinse and repeat, as it were. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, food here is, is pretty clean anyway. It's actually harder here to eat all the sort of really tempting stuff that I guess gets thrown in your way um, mm. as you sort of hang around at work and go to work and stuff. Um, uh, it does exist here, but not particularly where I live. It's, it's not a rural thing. So I don't yeah. pass... Uh, uh, any fast food outlets or any of that sort of stuff. Oh God, I've got to go past the gauntlet every morning. It's like <laughs> you get off the train and it's immediately there's a Greg's and then there's a like a local shop and then there's six really, really good independent coffee shops that all do like their own pastries and really sure. nice food. And there's a Starbucks and there's a Nero's. And it's just like, it is literally, that's um, Cafe Nero rather than Nero's Notes, obviously. Indeed. Um, your competitor in the market of course and it's just like this, this gauntlet of calories between my train and my office and every morning i walk past going sausage bap would be nope stop it bad bad <laughs> and I, you know it's easier now the fasting has actually made it easier because instead of it being trying to mitigate and well, well what if i had something healthy it's just like well there's no mitigating it's it's zero i'm yep. having nothing so it's it's a lot easier to to do that, like you were talking about in the last episode. If I know I'm not eating anything, there's no decision to be made. It's not whether I go in here and have a look, or maybe I'll go in and just get a coffee. It's like I'm I'm literally getting nothing. Go to your work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Streamlines I, I it a wee bit. So much easier. Um, mm. it, actually, um, somebody in our Slack group is um, is on the cusp of quitting smoking, um, mm. and, and sort of reached out to me and. Uh, I would just say to him, go ahead and do it because it's a lot easier than uh, smokers are led to believe. Uh, I'm not trying to belittle giving up smoking. There's all sorts of stuff to giving up smoking. But um, that whole approach of, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore, just makes it so simple. Um, as you say, walking past the coffee shop and going, oh, well, maybe I could just have a a small pastry or blah is is much much harder than going i don't go there anymore i don't do that anymore yeah the negotiation is difficult the blanket rule is easy there's no decision in it you're back to boris johnson again aren't you <laughs> <laughs> gotta bring a background you know yeah, that, that's gonna be his approach i think um that's gonna be fun as well um <laughs> i just like that uh the world leaders all, all their hair is matching up it's like connect not Connect Four. It's the the other one. Guess who? Well, I suppose you get the two people it, that are the same, and then you fold them down. It'll make it easy to um to sort of name the era, won't it? Um, you just be able to look at the haircuts. <laughs> oh yeah, the, that was the early. I was the, we're almost into the twenties. That's the scary thing. Yeah, indeed. I suppose. Yeah, I, I'm I'm standing here actually thinking of quiz questions. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> buying. Are you buying anything? 
No, I oh. did a, a little budget audit of mine uh, on current spending and went, hmm, that's no, not no alarm bells or anything, but just like, hmm, C minus could do better. And so really looked at the stuff I was buying because then on the way home out of work, I can eat. And so I, I, I run the gauntlet in reverse mm-hmm. and it's like, well, maybe I'll have a coffee on the way home. And so it, there is a little bit of expenditure there and there's a little bit of stuff that I'm not... It's just, it's not even that I can't afford it or I don't want it. It's that I don't really need it and I'm not getting any real benefit from it. And so it's about being a bit more firm with that. And it's easy to make the decision on the way in. It's harder on the way out. And so just being a bit more firm with those, it's that interstitial spending, you know, between Mm -hmm. office and train station. And I don't remember half of it. It's just garbage. And so I look back at my, my bank statement and it's just like all these shops are in a row between the train station and my office building. That's not good. I could just not. So I've done a lot of um, grocery planning and things like that. So it'd be like, don't deprive yourself. But instead of going out and buying something, buy it for the week and sure. have it in your Plan office. It, yeah. And so, exactly. So I was able to, I was doing a little bit of planning today on on lunches and things like that for planning, having enough chicken and, and carrot sticks and, and nice lentil crisps and things like this that I can have ready and take, you know, the old pack lunch approach. But that's working out significantly cheaper. And that's the kind of saving I like. It's not about depriving myself. It's not about doing without. It's about being smart. And so instead of you know being miserable and having nothing to eat and work or having a really plain, boring lunch and no fun stuff, it's like, okay, your coffee does you a month. Buy a good bag of coffee and you know milk when you need it, if you need it. And then go and buy the chicken thighs in bulk and cook those on a Sunday night and have them in the fridge. And I basically went through all of this and I'm down to like 160 a meal for lunches. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And that's that's a really nice, healthy, filling lunch with lots of variety. It's basically what I would be buying mm-hmm. at five or six pounds next door for 160. With and all I've added is planning. So yeah, that's, that's the the budget. That's tangible. Mm-hmm. That's 20 quid a week. That's thousand thousand euros a year. Mm-hmm. It's not to be sniffed at. So yeah, especially when you're doing. Um, I'm doing the honeymoon planning and everything's good. We're, we're on track. The spreadsheet's looking grand, but I just want to be on top of it. I don't want to let that uh, lifestyle creep, creep any higher. Well, sure. And you, you're going to, you know, the parks, aren't you? So you're going to be paying who knows how many oh, dollars yeah. each time you want a beer. <laughs> well, we have the Disney dining plan. I'll get onto this closer to the honeymoon. We have the Disney dining plan, which is amazing. So it's like two snacks can, and two you meals get tablets per day. Yeah, I think it's um, just take these and, and uh, an apple a day and you'll be grand. It's, yeah, we'll get into the Disney stuff at some stage because it's, okay. it's really interesting. And I know sure. it's it's consumerism gone wild, mm-hmm. but it's kind of fun anyway. Uh, well, likewise, actually, what my, are you buying? My, my buying's been a bit dull. Um, uh, we've done enough sort of bashing of BMWs, but uh, I've got to chip in my windscreen. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm insured, so um, I went to the place I was sent to by the insurer, uh, which obviously I wouldn't name because it would be very unkind to Waterglass to name them. Um, and <laughs> the uh, it's, I, I think if it was a diamond, you would call it an inclusion. So there's a little sort of ding at the bottom yeah. of, the, of the windscreen that's probably four millimeters in diameter. Uh, the guy looked at it and went, yeah, we'll have to change the windscreen. Went, Sorry? 
<laughs> Don't you have resins and things yeah, you can, like, you, suction into that? You just pump in a little bit of resin. I've seen it on the TV. That, you know. Oh, uh, well. It might break the windscreen. Well, if it breaks the windscreen, then replace it. But for the moment... Then I the definitely need one. <laughs> Seems a simple approach to me, Costas. But no. No, no, no. We'll have to change it. Um, I was on the phone to my insurance company because I had to authorize some paperwork. And I said, look, these guys are saying they need to change it. Personally, I think that they're trying to increase the amount of money they, they get from you guys. Uh, and they could just uh, put some resin in, but, you know, it's your call. And they went, no, they get them to change it. Okay. Uh, so they changed it. Uh, and then uh, I drove the car away. And the car, as I think we've covered, is essentially it's Margaret's. And so later that day, she phoned me. Or no, the next day she phoned me. Um, it has a heads-up display. So um, it's like being a fighter pilot. On oh, the windscreen, yeah. you have the uh, the speed you're doing and the speed limits that you should be doing um, sort of just projected onto the windscreen. It's very cool. You can only see it from the driver's seat. It's now slightly out of focus. <laughs> Presumably because the windscreen, as supplied by BMW at 10 times the price, is... Uh, it's got a film on it or slightly different angle or you know, or like, different diameter or something whatever you know um so i now have to embark upon the conversation with autoglass going excuse me that doesn't look right and they'll go well it's fine i'll go no it isn't and then <laughs> we'll, we'll do a little bit of that tennis for a while and eventually i'll say look guys you know no i'm not bothered i'm just going to go to bmw and get it repaired again then the insurance company will come back to you and say, well, they're not going to pay you because you didn't do it properly. And it's all going to get messy. And eventually they'll go, okay, well, we'll try and fix it. But I guarantee you that I'm going to be investing hours, days, and weeks of my time <laughs> into this. Um, and I'm not 100% certain that I'll, I'll end up winning. So that's a little mm. bit annoying. Particularly, no, boys, as- let me tell you, have I ever told you the story of my fence? Lads, and then you go into that <laughs> exactly. story. <laughs> exactly. And uh, the great thing about this was that I'd phoned this uh, these guys and said, right, explain the problem. And they said, oh, it'll take about half an hour. And then when I got there, they decided that I need a new windscreen. It would take five hours. Um, <laughs> okay. And I went, okay. Um, where's there somewhere I can go for a coffee? And uh, Cypriots in summer... Uh, quite sensibly, they're, they're very like Texans. Uh, they won't actually walk outside of anything air-conditioned. Um, so they're prepared to go, I don't know, maybe five metres from the front door to the car, but that's about the limit of it. So they went, well, no, there isn't anywhere for a coffee. I went, well, there must be. Bearing in mind that I've got five hours, I could walk half the island at <laughs> <in> that time. <laughs> Yes, the, the the diameter of the sphere that I'm drawing here is larger than you think it is. So uh, eventually I, I set off uh, a proper, proper Englishman. I'm off to the marina. What? And off I went in my shorts and T-shirt uh, down on the coast of Cyprus in July. 42, 43, I would guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> striding off nonchalantly for about 100 yards and then going, oh, this is really, really hot. Um, and so, yeah, sort of dragged myself dripping sweat, gasping for water into the nearest hostelry. Um, 
and then and then did it all in reverse to walk back. Uh, stupid boy. Um, so yeah, that's that's quite annoying uh, that I'm going to have to go back and do that again potentially. Uh, and mm. the other thing that I bought, what did I buy? I bought some plastic drinking vessels. Uh, oh, so, see, I read the show note and thought you meant eyeglasses. I was nope. very confused. No, so um, should we wish to entertain next to the pool? I say, would you like a glass of champagne? Or whatever, whatever. You won't get a glass of champagne. You'll get a plastic glass of one. So that if you break glass swimming pools, really bad news, really expensive. Therefore, mm. not allowed. Yeah, the reflective index is not your friend on that one. Mm hmm. So, uh, yeah, cool. how dull was that? Anyway, <laughs> parish notices and life changes. Anything happening in the world of TJ? The only thing I've got is that there's still a big thumbs up beside intermittent fasting. I'm really okay. enjoying it. I think I'm down about eight pounds so far mm-hmm. in about three weeks. That's, that's pretty excellent. big one. Um, so it's looking good. I'm enjoying it. Uh, but that's that's pretty much all I got. Mm. Okay, well, for me... Um, what about you? I, as I've said several times, I'm a traditional golfer. I walk with the clubs on my back. Not anymore. Um, <laughs> Those days are over. Yeah, July is now <laughs> doing... Uh, July's been, by Cyprus standards, quite mild. The humidity's been quite low. Uh, it's not anymore. It's now 80% humidity. Really, really hot. Um, and <laughs> I was going through uh, walking. I was drinking about two and a half litres of water. Um, now, the first thing is you have to carry that. So that's two yeah. and a half kilos. Um, and two um, rehydration tablets that was going in that water. And I was still, uh, by the time I got to, I don't know, uh, maybe half an hour ago, sort of 15th hole or so, I was, I was, I was flagging. Um, mm. uh, so uh, the guy that I play sort of pairs golf with, so we're, we're partners against other teams said to me in no uncertain terms, we are playing in a buggy next time because you're dying and you're not very good when you're dying. Um, he doesn't want to lose. Um, and also, it's just, you know, um, I think if your body is telling you loudly enough, you should probably listen. Mm, um, yeah, there's a line between healthy exercise and uh, death march through the desert. Yeah, exactly. And the problem is I hate playing from a buggy. It doesn't feel right f- for me and... Well, you say playing from a buggy. All I can imagine is you hanging out the door <laughs> while someone else drives and you smack it as you're driving. Yeah, that's that's kind of frowned upon. Although, um, I dare say you might get away with it. Uh, but yeah, the whole idea of, of sort of driving to your ball, jumping out, hitting it, getting back in, it sort of takes away a lot of the rhythm. And uh, for me, it takes away a lot of thought time because... Uh, I suppose it's too fast. Well, I can't really... Uh, the, the speed's about the same, actually, for all sorts of reasons, but... Um, I can't multitask. So if I'm driving the buggy, then, <laughs> then I am focused buggy. on not killing anyone, uh, including myself. <laughs> and then when I get to the ball, I sort of look at it out of surprise. Go, oh, there it is. Oh, how oh. did I get there? What should I do with that? I suppose I should do something about this. Yeah. Whereas if I'm walking to it, I kind of sort of mentally rehearse and stuff. But I, I dare say I'll get better at it. Uh, and again, this is not the most exciting news. Um, and the other thing is, yeah, well, our summer social calendar is... Uh, uh, everybody just has loads of parties, mm. uh, which is great. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, probably not good for the for the uh, healthy lifestyle plan, um, <laughs> but it's Sleep lots of fun. Midnight and start eating then. Well, yeah. The thing is that it's there's so little food involved because nobody really wants to eat, and everybody is sopping wet. I mean, I'm I'm standing here and here's a mental image you'll never never ever forget. The sweat is literally pouring out of me. 
I'm standing here thinking I better put a towel underneath it. Um, <laughs> it's a bit like that when you go out, uh, particularly if you go down to the coast where it gets even more sort of sticky. Oh. Um, and on that enlightened and happy note, uh, <laughs> we reach 40 minutes, which is more than enough for Dave Tubman. Go on, Dave, you've got work to do. Thanks for listening. <laughs> See you later. Uh, and we get straight into the three-pin plug. And just mm-hmm. for a change, TJ, you go first. Where can people find you on the internet? People can find me mostly on YouTube, but I've also known to do a little stint on Instagram now and again. My name is TJ Cosgrove, and I run Wooden Graphite, which is the number two pencil-based video channel on the internet. I make videos and films and little short narrative things about pencils and paper and notebooks and analog concepts and the ephemera that we both enjoy so much. If you like this podcast, you may well like the videos that I make. Uh, I'm literally working one in the minute about my office, which I'm hoping to get out maybe next couple of days. So next week, it'll probably be live for non-patrons. But if you want to watch, just go on to YouTube, Google it, wood and graphite with an ampersand. Um, but literally any other combination of those two and a half words will find it. Uh, and take a look. I'm also on Instagram where I post pictures and interesting things. Uh, and I'm trying to do Instagram stories, though I feel like I'm over the, the hill in terms of age for that kind of thing. Uh, I'm definitely too old for Snapchat. And so Instagram stories feels like it's I'm creeping towards 30 and someone's going to come and take it off me soon. <laughs> Almost certainly. I, it doesn't work for me. I think they've automatically <laughs> yeah. turned it You off just can't me. sign in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's based on fingerprints. <laughs> more than likely uh right uh well i'm uh stuart lennon so at Stu lennon on uh, all the social stuff uh mm-hmm. or at nero's notes uh nero's notes is a website where you can buy notebooks from around the world pencils uh, and even some amazing quarterly subscriptions uh swing by and have a look uh if you like listening to us talking nonsense there's a chance that you quite like uh, notebooks pencils and that sort of gear and we've got the best uh, you can also find me at stuartlennon.com, uh, where I write about, oh, about being a solopreneur, if I can use the buzz phrase, um, about, uh, living the dream, uh, living out here in Cyprus and anything else that takes my fancy. Um, and the last bit of our three pin plug is 1857. The earth. Mm-hmm. The, the earth plug. Yes. Uh, 1857. What can people do about 1857, TJ? Well, the efficacy of leaving an iTunes review is currently under uh, suspicion. But, I mean, just leave one. It won't do any harm if you leave us a nice review on iTunes. It makes us um, feel good. It, yeah, if nothing else, we'll read them and smile. Uh, but you can help the podcast by sharing the podcast. Find someone that you know who would enjoy it, a relative, a friend, uh, someone from work. You think, this is maybe up their alley. Give them a link. Pick your favorite episode, send it across to them, let them hear it, because building our audience is a really, really good way for us to to share what we enjoy with other people. And that's that's largely why we do this. Um, you can also, if you really, really want to, you can uh, donate to the podcast. There's a link on our website. It's a big dollar sign in a little circle. Um, and you can leave many, many decades worth of money. Um, lots and lots of zeros. Uh, but like, what, 10, 15 bucks is covering hosting for a month, which would be a lot. It would go very, very far for us. Uh, if you like the content, you want to see more of it, you want to help us, you can do that. But the content will always be here and it'll always be free. We're, we're not going to shut up unless you make us, basically. <laughs> Absolutely. And one thing that I would add, uh, we do have a Slack channel. Um, mm, yes. The entry criteria are very, very high. It's difficult to get into. Exclusive. 
Mm-hmm. Well, what you have to do is get in touch with TJ uh, or I. Um, and given that we've just told you what our handles are on social media, um, <laughs> we're, we're going to assume that you're going to manage that. Uh, and if you do get in touch, we will uh, grant you access to the Slack channel uh, where we have lots of lively chat, uh, where people come up with some ideas for episodes, including uh, tonight's episode. Um, mm-hmm. And slackers. where I can now exclusively and without any consultation with my podcasting partner reveal <laughs> that uh, there is going to be a secret episode which is going to be linked only to mm. those people in the Slack channel. Uh, it's, uh, something a little bit different, something that, uh, has involved me having a great time, uh, a mystery man called Seth having a great time and TJ doing a lot of editing. <laughs> uh, we're putting it there because, uh, well, we, we want people's opinions. We want to see what they think. Um, anyway, look, I think I've teased enough. Uh, send us a, a little note. We will invite you to the Slack channel and you will get access to that secret episode and everything else that goes mm-hmm. on the Slack channel. Yeah, it's a good place to chat with people who, if you like this podcast, the people who are on the Slack like this podcast too. And they're very, very interesting. And, and honestly, they should really do the podcast. They're more interesting than we are. Yeah, fair point. <laughs> right. So that's all of the hygienics done. The warm-up is finished. 45 minutes mm-hmm. in. We are almost at the point of saying, what are we talking about tonight, TJ? So tonight is a slacker-suggested topic, as we discussed before. Um, this one is really interesting. And I've, I've created two opposing titles, neither of which are very good, but I'm going to go with them anyway. Uh, eco mode or going green? And so the question that was posited to us was, what would you give up for health, planet, or necessity? It's quite a broad question, but it's a really interesting one because it's not about, you know, what would you change for your own financial benefit or your own health? What would you give up? What would you not do? And that sometimes, I think, flies in the face of what we want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think, because uh, you put your notes through first uh, today, uh, but as is mm-hmm. pretty much always the case, uh, and then I, I sort of respond but i i read the question slightly differently to you i think um which is good and also very common yeah well uh, the question what would you give up for the health planet necessity um a lot of this again channels back to uh the whole smoking question for me i smoked uh two or three packs a day for uh let's say 35 years um so i I like to determine I was very, very good at smoking, very accomplished um, <laughs> pro level and yeah, and you know big boy cigarettes, none of this light stuff uh and wait what's a light uh, cigarette i I'm a complete novice what's what well, there are two uh two sort of key measures uh in a cigarette there's nicotine content, which is the amount of nicotine mm-hmm. uh in the uh, in the cigarette, yeah, the nicotine, uh, nicotine is a, um, it has two applications. One is it's very addictive to humans. Uh, and the other one is it's, uh, it's a very good insecticide. Um, <laughs> so you're not going to get any l- crickets or locusts in your lungs, but, uh, indeed. what could possibly go wrong with that? Do you think? Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, in theory, uh, a higher, mil- a higher nicotine, uh, content would, 
make you more addicted more quickly. But given mm. that any nicotine will addict you anyway, um, it's largely irrelevant. The other one is tar, um, which I don't think is a, a chemical name, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's an indicator of the gunk that's in a cigarette. Yeah, it's the gubbins. Yeah, and uh, big butch cigarettes uh, used to have, um, and I'm way out of touch now because I haven't smoked for, oh, I don't know, five years or so. Um, but, you know, 13 milligrams of tar was was a sort of big boy cigarette. Uh, and you could have two milligrams, which was, you know, things like silk cut light and all that sort of jazz. Um, I think now there's a real understanding that by saying, oh, getting everybody to focus on that sort of milligrams of tar, uh, Marlboro immediately turned around and made the Marlboro light. And lots and lots of smokers went, oh, it's okay. I don't smoke Marlboro Red anymore. I smoke Marlboro Light, so I'm going to live forever, um, which is not the case. <laughs> you know, light cigarettes, as far as I can gather, kill you just as quickly as heavy cigarettes. Um, but the the thing that, that changed the way that I perceived smoking, because I, I resolutely refused to stop smoking, because one, because people kept telling me to stop smoking. and Yeah, it's a good way to get you to stop <laughs> Yeah, I, like I say, I, I got to sort of a rebellious age at about, I don't know, 14, and I have not moved on. So <laughs> <laughs> people say, don't do that, and I'm pretty pretty certain to do it. So that was one one part of it. And two, um, I really enjoyed smoking. And I would I would die on that hill. You know, I would stand there and say, I really enjoy smoking. People say, well, yeah, but you're probably going to die a horrific, drawn out and terrible death. That's okay. Because I enjoy smoking. Which I appreciate might sound like an addict talking. Because it was an addict talking. And what changed my understanding was when somebody explained to me how I was systematically addicted intentionally by a third party. And that what I was convincing myself of was the reason that the people that make cigarettes are multi, multi, multi billionaires is because they are smart people. And I was addicted to cigarettes and I believed in my heart of hearts that I enjoyed cigarettes because they had convinced me of that with lots of powerful advertising, subliminal messaging and all that sort of good jazz. And it was uh, somebody who sort of, um, Alan Carr, easy way to give up smoking or the easy way to stop smoking go and buy that book immediately for a smoker um just laid it all out in very simple terms and i'd convinced myself that i enjoyed smoking and it became a kind of um totem for me you know something that i had to hold a hill that i would die yeah. on. um and once somebody explained to me hmm, maybe that or asked me you know is that really true is that actually what it's all about then I was able to challenge my own conceptions and thought, oh, hang on. Hmm. Yes, something's afoot here. Uh, and I suppose that then pay, played back into my contrarian who went, ah, so you think you can make me enjoy smoking, eh? Ha! <laughs> I shall Weaponized stop immediately. <laughs> um, I'm not going to smoke another one and you can't make me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a lot of uh, addiction clinics of, of, of many, many types will explain and, and be very, very firm on 
the difference between giving up and stopping. Giving up implies some sort of sacrifice. Hmm. Stopping is choosing to do something. And there's, it's a willful decision. Yeah, there's a huge difference because if you um, try to give up smoking, you will fail because you feel that you're cheating yourself. It's if you um, if you said to me, "I've given up having pastries in the morning," then I know that every time you're walking past Cafe Nero, you're thinking, <laughs> "I wish I could have a pastry, but I can't have a pastry because I'm fasting." <laughs> And I know that the first time you walk past Cafe Nero with a hangover, your willpower will collapse and you will go in and get a pastry. If you're walking past Cafe Nero and going, I don't eat pastries anymore because they're mostly sugar and they don't do any good. I don't really like them. Then you don't feel you're giving anything up. And so you don't feel that having one is some sort of reward. Uh, And that, to me, unlocked a whole sort of part of my psyche that I wasn't really aware was there. And that's why when I read the question, I was like, okay, what are we getting at? What am I giving up? Is that something I want to give up? Am I going to give up breathing? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> so uh, I appreciate that. that's a slightly semantic tangent. But um, I think there's lots of things that we do as, um, uh, I suppose, as a race, um, as well as individuals, that we do out of habit or out of addiction or out of convention. Um, that actually we wouldn't need to give up. We just need to stop. Um, and the one that's recently been big in, in the UK, um, you know, plastic bags, for example, single-use yeah. plastic. Um, I mean, you know, do you miss your Tesco's bags, TJ? Or are you reasonably No, happy? I actually really like not having plastic bags. It's, it's quite yeah. nice to have nice reusable bags. And I think this is something I've gradually become more and more ecologically aware and I, i'm absolutely in no way an expert i don't really know what i'm talking about but i have made myself aware of some things and you kind of it's hard to not notice you know it's in the news so often now uh, it's a big problem it's a big deal and we do need to take steps and i think if everyone takes little steps that adds up that cumulative effect is really really important and I, that's kind of the way i took this question is like what would you give up and it's not necessarily stopping. There are things that you would want that are easier because, you know, 21st century life is about convenience. It's not about giving up or going without or doing without. It's That's not the message that we're getting bombarded with. That's not what we grow, you know, we grow up to think and want. It's about more consumerism, capitalism. Let's Let's have more, let's do more, let's be more. And that's great, but it also has some negative side effects and, and things like let's just use loads of single-use plastic and then just chuck it away. And once you start thinking about that in a in a practical way, I find it's actually quite annoying because I'm, I'm you know we get our groceries once a week we get them uh, sort of they bag them up and we collect them from the store, mm-hmm. which is really really nice. And there's an option to add bags, mm-hmm. or they can bring it out in plastic boxes and put it into your car into bags or you know, boxes or whatever you have in your car. Sure. So we never get bags. They will still bag things like meat just mm-hmm. so that it's separate. Yeah, so I wish there was another the way to do that. Stuff, but yeah, yeah. yeah, and that that's fine. Like, again, if you're going to get, you know, 16 things of root ginger, they probably need to go in a bag. You don't want them tossed around with the other stuff. For, you know, there are ways and means, but Depends how much one of the things that gets me the most, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I went straight to ginger, but we'll, we'll roll with it. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I do every single time we get our groceries, I set it all out in the kitchen counter 
on our little island and I systematically get rid of every single piece of packaging that we don't need. And it's almost always like a third of the weight and volume of the shopping. Sure. So if you buy, like, say, paracetamol tablets, it's two little plastic packs, blister packs with tablets in it, and then it's a piece of paper that no one reads and a cardboard box that no one needs. And so I immediately take those and put them in the recycling. And then I get apples, immediately open the stupid plastic bag they come in and put them into our our vegetable and and fruit basket. Mm -hmm. And then I go, and literally everything we own has some form of stupid plastic on it. It's like, why? I don't need this. I don't want this. It's costing you money to give it to me for me to bin it. I have to get rid of it. You have to send it to me. Why not just not have it? You know, those that's something I can see in the next 10 years. People are going to get really, really savvy about because there are savings to be made. There's, there's Henry Ford-esque, you know, shaving the penny of like, well, we don't need to do that. We don't need to do that. If you can be creative about how you package things, you can get rid of a massive amount of single-use plastic, which is saving money which is the primary motivator. That's the, the reason to do it. And it's also saving the planet, which is why we should be doing it, but it's not going to motivate people. And so I heard about, I think it's maybe a Southeast Asian um, grocery store was wrapping things in banana leaves. Mm-hmm. Like, that's class. That's amazing. That's what we should be doing. We should be thinking about um, things that will rot and things that will you know, have a shelf life. And so if you can use those as packaging, then when you put them in your compost heap or whatever, they'll return into that ecosystem. They'll provide some benefit rather than just being ever present for the next 2000 years. Yeah. But some bright spark will just start planting uh, banana trees to sell packaging. Yeah, that's fine. As long as the planet's not going to, to burn up in a greenhouse you know, <laughs> fireball in the next 20 years. No, but we'll, all, I think, we'll all starve to death if the world is covered in uh, banana tree. Well, we can just get really used to eating bananas. <laughs> okay <laughs> and it's it's yeah there's a lot of things here and it's not just one issue it's not about fixing one thing right no, it's a it's sure. a whole uh a whole slideshow of stuff that needs to be looked at needs to be thought better of you know meat that's another big one that comes up and, and i have a couple of friends who are vegan and mm-hmm. that's a lifestyle that you know that needs an awful lot of effort to maintain it's it's a decision it's a lifestyle that you're living and it's it's very admirable. Admirable. There's a lot of people who do it for very, very good reasons. And I don't want to do it. It's not that I couldn't. I think anyone could do it. It would be a massive moderation and rejigging of your life to do it for a lot of people. But it's not impossible. I just like the things that I like and I don't want to give them all up. But I do think there's a there's an argument for going, do you need to buy cheap meat because you need meat in every single meal you have? No. Would you be better eating good, healthy food that is primarily vegetables and fruit and grains and legumes and things like that? And then supplementing that occasionally with really, really nice, really high quality meat that is reared in healthy, good standards. Is that a better way to do it? I don't know. Well, I mean, something I've been thinking about. Yeah, I think the argument um, or the argument I've heard and I haven't tested and I'm like, Again, I, I'll do the disclaimer too. I'm I'm no expert on anything, but certainly not on this. Is that um, you know it's a simple matter of, of sort of economics and space to yeah. pro- provide a sort of meat-heavy diet for the growing population. Uh, we're going to have to buy another planet. 
<laughs> Mars coming for you, buddy. Yeah, uh, Mars, you're going to become grazing. I mean, that's essentially what we're saying. Or perhaps we'll <laughs> we'll just leave all the grazing here and we'll all go live on Mars. Um, and it's you know it's it's about mathematics. And if you want to have you know cow at at every meal, or you want to wear cow and eat at every meal, and uh, or drink its milk and all that jazz, you need so much space for cows that there'll be no space for us. Yeah, and that's you know that whole sort of doomsday mathematical scenario, which you know you've seen my my notes. Um, I don't know anything about math, but what I do know is that we have a planet which is by definition finite, and on that planet there are resources which are also finite. Uh, we, the human race, are breeding faster than we're dying, so we're creating an infinite consumer for a finite amount of resource that's, that's a very not, simple maths problem that's not going to work is it <laughs> no. <laughs> whether that be 20 years hence or 200 years hence um i'll be very straightforward here and people will hate me for this i neither know nor care because i haven't had children and that wasn't because i'm an eco warrior it's just worked out that way <laughs> so i don't have a generation coming after me that i'm thinking oh <sighs> God save the little children. Um, you know, no disrespect to anyone, but it's not something that comes into my mind. However, there is a part of me that goes, look, this can't be what it's all about, us just sort of chewing up this planet until it doesn't work anymore. It doesn't seem a very sensible way for a race or a species to to behave. Um, and that that's where I get interested in the whole vegan uh, argument when people used to say to me before you know meat is murder okay i understand what you guys are saying i, I disagree with you sorry no offense but that's not how i felt the argument hang on it's unsustainable for us to eat so much meat okay hang on that rings bells with me i, I can understand that i can yeah that holds a lot more sway and that's yeah. not to say that it's a better or a worse reason no, it's just, but just for you it just makes better, more yeah. sense yeah. yeah um and so from that point of view, I, I I do get interested. And like everybody, there's this thing that happens, TJ. Again, this is another, I'll just talk down to you for a little bit because you're a child and, and I'm <laughs> slightly older child. Um, the generation above me is laughing its socks off because they were doing all this eco-warrior jazz 30 years ago. And in, the reason I can say that with such confidence is because I live in Cyprus, which in many ways missed out on a lot of the sort of hyper-consumerism that, that happened uh, where you and I would spend the last couple of decades. So um, when I buy beer here, I buy it, um, which is clearly something I do frequently, um, I buy it in a, in a crate of glass bottles. And I pay a fee for those bottles and the crate a fee which is deducted when I take back an empty crate and fill it up <laughs> with a full crate, which is the way that pubs used to work and off-licenses used to work all over the world. But uh, they don't work that way in the UK anymore. But, you you know, glass bottles uh, are returnable here. And that's Which what, is a smart idea. Yeah, well, that's what people are arguing. It should be everywhere. It, it was always that way in the UK. Um, and it was only really during the sort of 80s that everybody went, oh no what you need to do is put it into these really crap 
tins that make the beer taste horrible, but you can throw it away afterwards. <laughs> yeah, you can just put them straight to landfill because in the eighties we don't we don't recycling. That's not a thing. So just straight to landfill, bury that stuff, that metal. Let's bury that for you know two three thousand years. That looks good to me. Exactly. I mean, you, you go into a, a supermarket <laughs> here, um, and all of my fresh produce, you know, vegetables and fruits, is laid out, you know, without packaging. Um, yeah. If if you want meat, it doesn't come in a in a sort of polystyrene tray with with foil over it or anything like that. There's a big counter and there's a a man or a woman behind it. You tell them how much of it you want, and they basically put it in a bit of paper and go, "There you go. There's half a pig." Um, <laughs> it's a lot of paper, which is you know it's all sort of um, ecologically sound, but it, it's the way it always mm. was here, and that that whole sort of getting back to basic is what's making. Um, you know, the older generation go, really? <laughs> this is just, <laughs> this has just occurred to them. Um, but you know, the question that, that I'm looking at or the, the thing that sort of puzzles me to a certain extent is I think there's a lot of bandwagonism. There you go. There's a new word for you. Um, that goes on where people go, look, veganism, that's going to be big. That uh, a bit like, um, organic. You know, that became such a huge thing. Yeah. Um, and money starts getting behind it. And I always get a little bit suspicious where there's money to be made. Call me a cynic. Um, <laughs> and I think a lot of that goes on. And and yet I look at the thing where I say, okay, I don't know what's going to be the biggest problem first, whether it be that we've got too many cows or not enough water. But we have these, these finite resources. Um, again... 1985, Live Aid, Band-Aid, all came from you know, TV shots of a famine in Africa with, with babies dying. And the whole sort of message of this was there's enough food in the world for everyone to eat. And look what's happening. And that hasn't actually changed. I think there's progress has been made. But, you know, the, you, me, everybody listening to this podcast has thrown away food in the last week or two weeks. And people have died of starvation in the last two or three weeks. And there's something fundamentally wrong with that. And why we can't fix that, while well, we can fix what would strike me as relatively unimportant things, makes me a little bit pessimistic. So, yeah. you know, fossil fuels, are fossil fuels good? Are they bad? Uh, okay. Whatever they are or they aren't, it seems to be agreed that we should move away from fossil fuels, A, because they pollute <laughs> the atmosphere, and B, because we're running out of them. Yeah, and, they're finite. <laughs> we don't have any more dead dinosaurs. And so the best thing we've come up with is, look, here's your electric car. Well, where does the bloody electricity come from? Oh, from the power station over there. <laughs> they burn dead dinosaurs. <laughs> it's, not, it's not really done anything, is it? Um, and I can't help but feel that, you know, somewhere in all of these gas companies, in their safe is the key to the next generation of energy, whether it be nuclear or something else. But there's Batteries no way in the world yeah, the, they're going to reveal yeah. those keys until they've burnt all the dead dinosaurs because they make a fortune burning the dead dinosaurs. But I think even electric cars is an interesting one because we've seen that in the last 10 years. Tesla 
started it with like, what if we just made electric cars? These are what cars are going to be in the future. We're going to make them. Mm-hmm. And say what you want about Tesla. I think it's a really cool company, really interesting company. Now, all the big players in the automotive field are going, oh, we have a new, the new electric Golf. Oh, here's an Audi, but it's electric. You know, everybody is now going, well, we can't not have an electric car. Mm-hmm. We're still going to have petrol cars until, you know, 2040, 2050, depending on the timelines that various European countries have set in place. Mm-hmm. And there will be holdouts. There will be people, people who do not want to move to electric. Sure. I, see, if you could give me an electric car tomorrow, I would take it. I'd be so happy to have an electric car because the concept is fascinating. The engineering is fascinating. And also, it just makes more sense. Sure. Like, if you think about what you're doing when you sit in a, in a normal petrol-fueled car, you're sitting in a metal box that uses explosions from dead dinosaurs and leaves from 10,000 years ago that you explode very carefully in another metal box to make the wheels go round. That is just, it's daft. And yeah, you could break mm-hmm. down electric cars to the same level, but sure. at least it makes a little bit more sense. At least you can you can charge them from solar cells. You can get it from wind energy. You can do, there's a lot more sustainability with those things than, than just straight up dead T-Rexes. But I don't know. I find it interesting as well. One of the things when we're talking about food, that came to mind was, have you ever heard of the the concept of nine meals from anarchy? No, I don't think I have. So it's the idea that humanity is only nine missed meals away from complete and utter chaos. So we are, we we live in a society, both of us live in a a society where we can go to the grocery store and buy food. We can, you know, we get a wage. We we are able to live our lives and purchase the things we need without really any hassle or, or difficulty. But if something happened and we missed nine meals or we were not able to have food and buy the things we need, everything after nine meals would descend into complete and utter chaos. And that's that's scary. Like, this is not a new thing. This has been talked about for years and years and years. Um, and it's all about, you know, food availability and scarcity. And, you know, we haven't had, I've never had to deal with rationing. You've never had to deal with rationing. Sure. Rationing was a thing, you know, late 40s, early 50s, you know, very early 60s, when you just, you, there is none of that. You can't have it. It doesn't exist. And that's like what we were talking about earlier. That's an easy decision. You just, you, you make do and mend. You get on and build what you can with what you have. But we're used to unlimited choice. It's not about whether I get peanut butter or not. It's whether I have cashew butter, peanut butter, legume butter, and also what 15 types of containers and flavors I want it in. You know, I have unlimited choice. If I immediately go from unlimited choice and everything to almost no choice and everything, people get very, very unhappy. And so when I think about that, it makes me want to be more self-sufficient. It makes me want to be more sustainable. It makes me want to grow vegetables and think about what I eat and think about how I eat and recycle things and be able to you know, have things on hand that I'm not always, you know, living hand to mouth and, you know, walking and going, well, I don't have any food this weekend, so I need to buy food. You know, could we think about, you know, a longer term prospect there? Could we have more in the pipeline? Could we do our own little bits and have vegetable gardens and things like that instead of it being all nipped down to Tesco? Sure, but I mean, it's it's difficult because of the things that we kind of touched on. And I suppose, given that I've had a couple of beers and I've just poured my first brandy, I can get onto a soapbox. Um, <laughs> Please do. You know, you or I both said, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd take an electric car. 
Well, that's not true, is it? Because if it was true, then we'd have an electric car. Because there's nothing stopping yeah. us from having an electric car. But there are plenty of reasons that we might go, mm. you know, I might say, well, my nearest charging point is, actually, I'm guessing it's, it's probably the capital city. It's probably out of the range of my car. Um, <laughs> it's Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> no, it certainly wouldn't be there. But anyway, um, but, you know, in theory, I could have uh, a charging point at home and I could do my little commute, which is to the golf course and back in an electric car, couldn't I? Why don't I? Well, I guess they're, they're still quite expensive. Um, there would be there. Are, there's friction. There are barriers. It's easier mm, for me to go just buy a second-hand jalopy up the road. Um, flying. You know, both of us yeah. are, are probably aware that yeah, kind of flying. Well, you should try and keep that down. Maybe not do it all the time. Now, certainly, when I was international businessman, what um, I was jumping on planes all the time, and. Oh, don't tell my business partner, but I think probably about 80% of that was unnecessary. I mean, it's quite good fun. You know, <laughs> if you, if you live yeah. in, if you live in Prague, I'll just fly to Budapest. What are you going to do on that? Well, probably drink quite a lot, but I, I will go to a meeting as well. Um, <laughs> which is, and, and any business person listening to this knows this is true. I mean, why on earth do you fly somewhere for a meeting? I know that face-to-face -face is better than over the phone and blah, 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 But actually, the money that you spend, would you spend it if it were your own cash? No. Would you yeah. stay in the Intercontinental if it were your own money? No, you wouldn't. <laughs> um, you know, would half the restaurants in the world exist without expense accounts? No, they wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's areas in the world that are uh, yeah, you know, there's, frequented. There's lots of stuff that goes travelers. on. Uh, let's not get political, but Brussels. Okay, Brussels would have two chip shops uh, and a supermarket <laughs> if it wasn't a waffle house. <laughs> if it wasn't for the massive amount of expenses funded by you know who to uh, to keep it going. So I, I think all of us are becoming more aware, and that's a really presumptuous thing to say. I know that I'm becoming more aware of the Same. issues that the world is facing, and. I often feel that I should take a part in, in dealing with those issues. Uh, and then I come up with some very good justifications why not to come up with anything that might actually inconvenience me in any way. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and so then sort of wander around in, in true Roman Catholic stuff, feeling very guilty about everything. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah. I think we're all doing that. We're all going. Oh, it should be a vegan. Yeah, I wish I it could, could be fly. different. Um, <laughs> it, it could be different. No, no, it couldn't. But I wish it yeah, could. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I was uh, before we were recording. Um, just out of the blue, a friend of mine uh, sent me a something on Facebook Messenger, which is it's something I very rarely frequent, and I um, I don't <laughs> I don't have notifications switched on, so it was just purely by chance that I, I flicked it. I went, oh, here's a message, uh, and. Uh, this guy saying, hey, you still got a bed uh, in August? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm away this week or that week. And, boom, boom, boom. and he's he's Swedish. Uh, well, he's not actually. That's a bit complicated. He's um, Swedish Finnish, but lives in Norway. Go figure. Um, okay. And yeah. just, just another the thing. No, can I come over? Yeah, of course you can. Boom. That's it. He's booked a flight. And that's fantastic. That's brilliant. Just to have... 
to live in a world where we can do that and say, yeah, come on, let's get together. Let's go for dinner and have a beer. Yeah, come stay for a couple of days. Great. Bye, bye, bye. And make it all happen. It's brilliant. But I suppose from an ecological point of view, you know, there he is. He's jumping on a plane. He's going to come over here and, uh, I don't know, consume things. And he's probably going to hire a car and, and all that sort of thing. <laughs> I think, oh, you know, should we be doing it? Should we go out for a steak? Oh, no, 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 let's not. Let's go have some spinach. Uh, it, it's going to take a huge evolution for us to get to a place where we start making the better choices because they're better for yeah. us in a very selfish way as well as some sort of big generic way. Um, it's it's the age-old uh, conundrum that you face if you want to be a green politician. Everybody loves you, but nobody votes for you. You've got some great ideas, but you'll never, ever do anything with them. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it's almost invariably these ideas are presented by, um, I think, very able and competent women. And I think we should have more of those in politics, to be honest. But, you know, they they make this point, they make it, and they, yeah, but they're green. I mean, really? Is there any point in voting for them? Is there? Mm. And, you know, one or two countries, they get a sort of balance of power, sort of vote within a coalition or something. I don't think anywhere have they ever threatened to to form a government. And the the reason is that actually most of us, okay, giving up our plastic bags is one thing, but not going away on holiday. Oh, no, hang on. Oh, yeah, you're pushing it a bit. Yeah. I think that's where it gets really hard, right? That's where it's giving up rather than stopping. Mm. Because that is a, you know, oh, you can't travel anymore. Oh. Well, suddenly my world got a lot smaller. Oh, okay. yeah. Right. You know, tra- uh. Traveling broadens the mind, but here, have a video log instead. Mm, yeah. yeah. Not mm, sure. Yeah. Um, it's you really difficult on, for you us to, kids. you know, we can. Yeah, that's that's a massive thing. Like, is it ecologically responsible? Is it you know, parentally responsible to keep bringing children into a world that we know already has rampant overpopulation? And yet, it'll still happen. You know, it, it, for, it, are you willing to give that up and are you willing to die on that hill for other people and for the planet, not for yourself? And, you know, I, I'm aware that there are people for whom, you know, that question has been, been asked and they've made a decision and, you know, all, all power to them for doing it. I mean, I would say yeah. that from my limited knowledge of biology, there's a thing called the genetic imperative, which means it's almost impossible to turn around and say, I will not have children. It's unnatural to say that. But ultimately, that that whole conundrum, that, that question has to be answered. We have to populate other planets. Or we can have a yeah, couple of human wars. Beings, we could do that. I mean, Donald seems to be heading that way just, generally. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, yeah, there's two two ways to get rid of the problem. <laughs> I mean, Boris wants to increase capacity. Boris would definitely be up for that. A little bit of war. Um, (laughs) The the sort of you know populate Mars and all that. We're leaving that to, uh, with no disrespect to Elon Musk. Pretty much, yeah. Elon Musk. Well, Jeff Bezos is having a good go at it too. To be fair, yeah. But these aren't. Um, I mean, would you leave your child with either of these men? I mean, come on, be honest. Mm, no, they'd probably be working on spacecraft parts. Yeah, or not, I'm, yeah, I'm just not some sure. Some sort of semi-automatic car factory. The future of the human race in Jeff Bezos' hands or, God forbid, Elon Musk's hands. I don't know. <laughs> I, 
I feel there should be a, a degree more control or participation from the people, shall we say. I think human beings are incredibly good at waiting until the very last minute. We're very, very good at being motivated by chaos and the, the sort of incoming storm rather than planning ahead. You know, we go, oh, oh, that looks quite bad in the 1970s. And then it gets to 2019. Everyone's going, oh, that's quite bad. Yeah, yeah. we've literally been saying this for 50 years. We could have done something about it. We could have had a nice organized trajectory where we decrease everything bad, increase everything good, and just, you know, nice, stable, you know, 2020 could be nice and stable. No, 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 no. Mm. Wait till 2025 and then just go buck daft for trying to fix stuff. That's yeah. what's going to happen. Well, look, we had Chernobyl. And, mm-hmm. and we learned so much from that that we had exactly the same thing in Japan. <laughs> not, not, yeah, not thirty years later. Um, and you know, I mean, we're talking sort of uh, the risk of being overdramatic mass death events. Why? Because well, this nuclear stuff is kind of cool, but pff, yeah, it's a bit expensive. Let's cut a corner here. Let's cut a corner there. And because the stakes are quite high, you know, if something goes wrong with I don't know a bomb factory then you might lose Birmingham. Something goes wrong with a nuclear reactor, you might lose Britain or <laughs> yeah. Texas or, you know, Yeah, Belgium. fallout and uh, what do you call it? Wind patterns are no joke. For sure. So those types of things, I mean, we're, we've, we've got to the stage now where when we go, oops, we can in fact wipe out large parts of the planet. Whereas I think before we didn't really have that ability to screw things up. Yeah. And, you know, you, you I, I suppose, slightly tongue-in-cheek, raised the whole concept of us being nine meals from anarchy. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you kind of think, okay, so why don't we have just a little bit of a nuclear disaster there? Um, I don't know, Donald hits the wrong button or something. Um, some sort of genetic food failure here, crop failure. Um Oh, and Brexit. Chuck a Brexit and Bre- they get oh, some uh, everything import the, taxes. and Everything is the fault of Brexit. <laughs> um, plus then, I don't know, let's say a mass African migration north because they're all starving and nobody gets a meal for nine days. Boom. You know, I, 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 I think there is a strong argument for saying we're kind of at the point where we really need to get on top of this quite quickly. Not yeah, you know, it's not. This isn't a fifty-year problem. It's probably a five-year problem. But then there's the counter argument. You know, San Francisco is going to drop into the sea, and yet it's got the highest rents in the United States. And you want to, you want to buy an apartment? <laughs> it's almost impossible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're very good at short-term thinking as well. Human beings are fantastically complicated creatures. <laughs> it is. It is. I. I I think I'm quite depressing myself. Good Lord. Um, <laughs> it's fine. Whenever we go to Mars in the next 10 years, we could all just live there under big domes. <laughs> well, that's the other thing is people keep, I've, I've heard this argument thrown at me, you know, sorry, we're, we're going to go to Mars. Well, I'm thinking, well, actually, no, we're not. I mean, Elon might be <laughs> with a couple of highly yeah, paid celebrities who are no use to man nor beast. I mean, okay. On his first flight, he's going to have Kardashian. Oh, oh good. That's going to save the world. <laughs> or, you know, Richard Branson's going to be taking, I don't know, Elton John. Well, fantastic. What's he going to do? Sing Candle in the Wind? 
No, I think there's a more suitable song for going to space, Stuart. Though there may be one or two, yes. But <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is that it's quite a big leap from, oh, look, we got to Mars, to everybody come and live here. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. It's a huge leap. But it's also one that we can make faster and faster. Like, but, don't but, but, underestimate the motivation of people on Whoa, Mars. Hold the phones here, all right? I I used to live 75 miles from London. Right in an extremely uh-huh. affluent part of the world where my internet was crap, my mobile phone <laughs> signal was crap, my sewage <laughs> used to overflow every four months because nobody had spent the money on the infrastructure. But we go, that's okay. We'll just go. We're just going to go and colonize that planet. No problem at all. What with no sewage? What are we going to do for broadband? Can you imagine sending millennials to Mars and saying there's no Wi-Fi? <laughs> yeah there's also like a what several hour delay what is the delay between mars and earth i need to find that out now <laughs> tj i don't think you need to worry about it overly i'll be honest it's pressing issue i'm not going to sleep until i know <laughs> uh 13 minutes okay that's curiosity's delay uh 13 minutes 48 seconds curiously there's a great um, podcast called 13 minutes to the moon you should listen <laughs> <laughs> second plug of the night very Boom. good excellent definitely gonna listen now just realized that i'm not commuting tomorrow because i'm working from home so okay well you can listen to it, to it if you're at home the background. yeah i have to put it in the background office music yeah, there you go yeah no it's uh, it's it was a great question what would you give up for health planet or necessity um uh, yeah i suppose the answer is i would give up anything that my wife told me that was a good idea um <laughs> and i'd be prepared to consider giving up anything because what i have found is that all of the things that we've been asked to economize on or to um change the way that we live i think generally they've been quite positive certainly from my yeah. experience i think my parents would probably argue and they would say we really liked having recyclable bottles of milk that you got on your doorstep and then you put the empty ones yeah, out there, back to milk, up, you know, man. which is way, way better than the sort of cartons that we do now. Um, <clears throat> so I, you know, I, I think I would probably go for anything, but if you turned round to me and said, as of tomorrow, Mr. Len, you're a vegan, that contrarian would kick in again. I go, no, I'm not. Uh, and I would probably work very hard to get hold of meat. Um, <laughs> and I suspect what will happen is that, you know, as is already happening with certain brands, if you want, uh, uh, you know, some Japanese steak that's been rare, uh, raised yeah, in certain Wagyu. Way, yeah, Wagyu or anything like that, then you're going to pay more and more money for it and it will become one of those, you know, special occasion things of, you know, we're going to go out and have a steak. Um but if we're eating meat at home, it will all be, you know, synthetic chicken substitute or something. Um, would that really be so bad? No, I don't think it would be. Um, but yeah. I, I think that's how it will happen. And I think it will take a yeah. long time. Um, and yeah, is that going to bother me? No. I mean, generally, I, I suppose if you'd said to me 15 years ago, eat vegetarian food, I'd be like, hmm. Whereas now... Um, you know, I frequently eat vegetarian food and I go to restaurants and I'm blown away by vegetarian recipes. And, you know, it's it's a field of 
uh, of genius now. There's loads of really good stuff yeah. going on. Oh, that's great. Um, what else? Yeah, you know, driving driving a car. We've covered that before. I wouldn't I wouldn't miss driving. I, I look forward to not having to have a car, not having to go and argue with people about windscreens. Windscreens. <laughs> um, just, yeah, you, you press a button and a pod turns up and takes you to where you want to go. Uh, and obviously, from my point of view, it means at the other end, I could have as many brandies as I want. <laughs> uh, I think it's an interesting, it was an interesting question. I don't think we've covered it all. I think we've just touched the surface of things like this, sure. but I probably got most of it I wrong. have no doubt. Oh, yeah. No, we all just assume always we've got it wrong. But Indeed. I think it will come up over and over again. This will not go away. And so we can come back to it with fresh news stories in a couple of months and have something very interesting to talk about then too. And with that threat, it remains only for me to say, I've been Stu Lennon. I've been TJ Cosgrove. Remember to make the past, the present, in the future. This was 1857.